just plan on leaving it there for a little while tonight. I have been saying for some time that I wanted to do some special classes for those who were interested in being in leadership. And then as I started praying about it, time got closer, I really felt like the things that I'm going to be covering were pertinent for everybody. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't realize, but every child of God is a leader. You are leading somebody. You really are. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's following in your footsteps. And everybody, to one degree or another, is a leader. And you know, if, if I'm going to have folks follow me, I want to make sure I'm leading them in the right way. I don't want to be like those that Jesus spoke of, the blind leading the blind. And they all fall in the ditch. I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that if there are those that are trying to walk in my footsteps, that I'm directing them in the right way. Amen. And, and I want to tell you, if you, never, if you never stand behind this pulpit, if you never teach a Sunday school class, just the fact that you come to church, I'm telling you somebody's watching you. And you are leading somebody somewhere you really are praise God amen so <clears throat> let's go to the book of numbers tonight and um, chapter 3 and we'll start with verse 11 we'll just read two verses of scripture right now we're going to read several out of numbers 3 so even after I've finished my text and we have prayed I want you just to leave your bible open to numbers 3 because we're going to read several verses from this chapter. Amen. Numbers chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. God said, I have taken the Levites. All the Levites are mine. I have something special I want from them and for them. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to. We're going to talk about some lessons from the Levites. Lessons from the Levites. Would you lift your voices to the Lord right now and ask God to speak to us? And I need his touch tonight in a special way. If you would pray for me, let's, let's everybody talk to the Lord right now. Jesus. Lord, God, God, I'm asking, Lord, for your touch. I'm asking. Pray, God, that you would grant to me the strength that I need. God, to be able to help your people tonight. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, Spirit, you would do a work in our midst tonight to draw us closer to you, God. Let your word wash us tonight. Anoint my mind, my heart, my lips. We thank you, God. We praise you tonight. Jesus' name. Could we worship him together, everybody? Let's worship the Lord right now. Could we do that? Come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's lift our voices to the Lord right now, everybody. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I, I don't want to break this down too simplistically tonight, but I learned many years ago to never just take for granted what people know about uh, certain aspects of Scripture. Uh, my very first pastor and I many times would be saying, you know the story, there's no reason for me to tell the story. And then I would many times have someone come to me after church and say, no, pastor, I don't know the story. Please don't just assume that I do. And, uh, and so I, I don't want to make an assumption tonight. And if this is too simplistic, then just bear with me for the sake of those who may not know. But when we speak of the Levites, we are talking about those who were uh, the descendants of Levi, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Those 12 sons, uh, their descendants were known as tribes, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the, the, um, the sons of Levi, according to the passage that we have read here in the book of Numbers tonight, were a tribe that God set apart for himself. God made it clear throughout the pages of Scripture that the first things were always his. The first fruits were his. The first city that Israel took when they made their conquest of Canaan, everything that came from that city was to go to God. Amen. It's always the first things that belong to God. And the Lord told the children of Israel in this passage that rather than every tribe giving me the firstborn uh, of their families, I'm going to simply take the tribe of Levi and that entire tribe will be mine in the place of all firstborn. God said, I have a job that I want them to do. Now, Levi had three sons. And uh, each of these sons uh, then had children, of course. And, and as we look at the three sons of Levi, we find that God assigned to the families born of those sons, very specific duties when it came to the service of God. Look with me tonight, Numbers chapter 3, 
Uh, verse number 17, first of all, Numbers 3 and verse 17. And these were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon and Kohath and Merai. These were the sons of Levi, Gershon and Kohath and Merari. These are his three sons. Now, as we go on down through this chapter, here's what we find. Uh, let's read verses 25 and 26. And the charge of the sons of Gershon and the tabernacle of the congregation shall be the tabernacle and the tent, the covering thereof, and the hanging for the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the hangings of the court and the curtains for the door of the court, which is by the tabernacle, and by the altar round about, and the cords of it for all the service thereof. So, so again, I hope that this is making sense to you, but... But, but the sons of Gershon, those that were born, all of these are Levites, you understand. They're all of the family of Levi. But the sons of Gershon were given a specific duty, that they were to care for the outer coverings of the tabernacle. This was the time when Israel's meeting place was a tent that was erected. And all of the outer coverings and all of the curtains uh, that were in that tabernacle it was the responsibility of the Gershonites, the sons of Gershon, to care for those outer coverings. Uh, and then uh, we read on verses 30 and uh, 30 through 32. Read for us. And the chief of the house of the father of the families of the Kohathites shall be Eliza Pham, the son of Uziel. And I tell you what, we're going to come back and catch 30 to 32 in a minute. Skip down to verses 36 to 37, first of all. Let me, let me deal with this one, 36 and 37. And under the custody and the charge of the sons of Merari shall be the boards of the tabernacle. The boards of the tabernacle. And the bars and thereof. And the bars thereof. And the pillars the thereof. The pillars thereof. And the sockets. The sockets. Thereof, and all the vessels The thereof, vessels. And all the servants thereunto. And the pillars of the court round about and their sockets, and their pins, and their cords. So, so Gershon, the Gershonites, took care of the outer coverings. The Merarites took care of the, of the structural necessities. You understand this is a tent. There are posts, there are pillars. There are various components that have to go together for, for the skins to be hung over and to make the framework of this. Uh, and so the sons of Merari, this was their job. They had to take care of the structural parts of the tabernacle. Now let's go back and catch verses 30 through 32. And, of, and the chief of the house of the father of the families of the Kohathites shall be Elizapham, the son of Israel. And their charge shall be... Their charge or their responsibility shall be... The ark. The ark. And the table. The table. And the candlestick. The candlestick. And the altar. The altars. And the vessels, the of, the vessels of the sanctuary. Wherein they minister. Uh-huh. And the hanging. Uh-huh. And all the service thereof. All right. Eleazar, the son of Aaron. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Shall be chief over the chief of the Levites. Uh-huh. And have the oversight of them to keep that keep charge... Of the sanctuary. And so the, the sons of Kohath had a specific job that they were to carry for the most holy things. They, they, they were to care for the most holy things. They, they were to take care of the Ark of the Covenant. 
They were to take care of the table of showbread. They were to take care of the altar, uh, the laver, all of the furnishings that made up the service of the tabernacle. Are you with me tonight? Each of these are, are Levites. Each of them fall under the heading of the family of Levi. But within that family, the three divisions, each were given their own set of duties and responsibilities. And the only way that the tabernacle and therefore the religious worship of the Jewish people could go forward was if each of these three families within the tribe of Levi understood their position, understood their responsibility, and and carried it out to the best of their ability. Yeah. Now, within the family of the Kohathites, within the family of Kohath, God also set apart uh, another group. He took Aaron. Aaron and Moses were born of the tribe of Levi, of the family of Kohath. And, and Aaron and Moses, Moses, of course, being the prophet to Israel, Aaron was made the first high priest. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, was to carry on that responsibility. Only the sons of Aaron could ever fill the role of the priest. Amen. Now, I don't want to bog you down with a lot of details, but I just want you to understand not all Levites were priests. Right. Amen. Only those of the family of Kohath, but even then not all the Kohathites were priests. Only the descendants of Aaron. But, but regardless of where someone fell, Within the lineage of Levi, they all had a very important duty. They all had a very important responsibility. Now look, Aaron and his children got the great privilege of actually standing before the Ark of the Covenant. Nobody else but Aaron's family got to do that. But you understand he couldn't do that if the other Kohathites didn't take care of that ark. And there wouldn't be a most holy place if the Gershonites didn't set up the outer coverings. And the Marahites didn't put up the pillars and the posts. And so nobody could really do their job unless everybody understood they had a specific place and a specific set of responsibilities. Amen. There were those among the sons of Levi that had yet another job. Let's read 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 29 through 32. 1 Chronicles 6, verses 39, uh, I'm sorry, 29 through 32. The sons of Merari, Malai, Labini, his son, Shimei, his son, Uzza, his son. Shimia, his son. Yeah, Haggai, all these guys, son. all their sons. Yeah, son. Verse 31. I'm trying to help you out here. Verse 31. And these are they whom David said over the service of the song in the house now look, of the Lord. David said, you know what? There's something that Moses didn't set up that I really see as important. We need some singers. But David didn't pick just anybody to be singers. David said they're going to come from the tribe of Levi. Yeah. 
In fact, they're going to come from the family of Merari, those who took care of the structural things. And, 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 and I don't know, I can't read David's mind, but I think David saw music and singing as a part of the structure of the church. It was an important part. Amen. These two were Levites. We didn't finish that, did we? Let's, let's keep reading. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's keep reading. Whom David set over the, song, the service of they song. They set them over the service of song. After the Lord, after that the ark had rested, and they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they waited on their office according to their order. Now, now look, I, I, I just, I'm only pointing this out just because I want to make it clear that regardless of whether they were ever in the priesthood or not, if they were serving God in some way, they were still considered Levites. They were still very special to the work of God. And what I want to say to you tonight, I'm telling you that the church, thank God for ministry. Thank God. I'm thankful I have a pastor. I thank God for evangelists that come by. I thank God for men that fill the office of prophet. I thank God for the fivefold ministry, but I'm going to tell you, we can't get the job done without some others who are willing to serve. And just because you don't stand in the most holy place, it doesn't mean that your position is not important to God. Is anybody going to help me tonight? It doesn't mean that you're not important to God. If you never stand on this platform, if you never, if, if you never are called outreach director, if you never have a title, I'm telling you that any way that you serve God, it is necessary and it's important. And you are special to the kingdom and the work of God on the face of the earth. And you need to see yourself. You need to look at yourself as having been brought into the kingdom in order to serve. Saints of God, listen, listen. I know, I know when I start talking about leadership, I know there are some that, that say, well, I, I don't, I'll never be a leader. I'll never be qualified uh, some say, um, you know, I'll never be good enough. Some, some just say, I'm not interested. But I want to tell you, God didn't save you just to take up space on a pew. God did not bring you into the church just to add a number. Nor did God bring you or me into the church so that we could be served. I've said this before, but, you know, living in a metropolitan area from time to time, I get phone calls from folks who say we're moving to Kansas City and we're trying to decide what church we want to go to. and We want to know what does your church have to offer us? Well, I understand the question. But let me just tell you, that's the wrong question. Rather than looking for a church that has something to offer you, you ought to be looking for a church where you have something to offer to help the church. 
Everybody can do something. You may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. I, I, had, this, I had this discussion with Brother Jared Hilton the other night. He was, he was telling me, anybody can learn to sing. I said, oh, no. No, no, not anybody. I have been around a few. He said, well, you know, give them some time and some teaching and training. I said, no, I've been around some. They don't have a clue. They are tone deaf. They don't know. They couldn't find the right pitch. They couldn't find the right key if you handed them a keychain full of them. And I'm not being mean and ugly about it. I'm just telling you the truth. It's just the fact. Not everybody can learn to sing. Not everybody can be a teacher. Hallelujah. Not everybody can be effective in Bible studies. But I'm telling you, there's a reason why God put you in the church. There is something you can do. There's something. There's something you can do. And so you need to, you need to see yourself as having a call of God on your life. Now look, I, I don't have time to get into this tonight. But some of the most miserable people on the face of the earth are people who feel a call and think it's a call to ministry just because it's a call. But not everybody that's called of God is called to the ministry. One of these nights, Lord willing, I may do some teaching from, from uh, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about a gift called helps. I believe there are people who are called just to help. God never really intended for them to be number one in whatever it is they're doing, but they are excellent at assisting others. Well, hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm telling you that that you need to understand that when God called you into the kingdom, he didn't call you for a life to be served. He called you for a life of service. God wants you to do something for his kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to me, saints of God. I know some of you say, I'll never be good enough. I'll never. Stop all of that. You've got to understand, if God saved you, he saw something in you. God saw value in you. I wish I could get this across tonight. I wish I could convince some of you that you've got more value to the kingdom of God than what you believe that you do. And it's the devil's trick to keep you convinced that you are not important. That's what he wants to do. Because if he can get you convinced of that enough, then you don't have to even show up because nobody's going to miss you. But I'm telling you, God called you into the kingdom because he's got a job for you to do.
It may not be the same job I'm doing. It may not be the same job that, that Sister Becca's doing. It may not be the same job that Brother Chad is doing. It may not be the same job as somebody else. But I'm telling you, somewhere in this kingdom, there is a position that's got your name on it. That's why he called you. That's why he saved you. You are important to him and you're important to his cause and you're important to the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And so in that sense, you need to see yourself as a Levite. That doesn't put you in the priesthood. But you're a Levite. One who is serving the house of God. Serving the work of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let's talk about this for just a few moments. Levi, let's go to Genesis chapter 29 and verse number 34. And I mean, let me just show you something about this man, Levi. Genesis 29 verse 34. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. Now, now look, I want you to look at, at what uh, Leah is saying here. You, you remember the story. Here I go again. <laughs> um, many of you remember the story. Rachel and Leah, how that uh, Jacob loved Rachel, but he was given Leah first, and uh, and 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 his love was for was for Rachel. But Rachel was barren. Leah was having babies, and and Leah wanted desperately to win the heart of her husband, and so after the birth of her third son. She said, I'm going to name this one Levi. Why, why did she call him Levi? Look at what she said. Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Levi means joined. But what it is speaking of is joined in a sense of loyalty. Leah is saying, this ought to really cause my husband to start showing some loyalty to me. My sister's not giving him any kids. I am. And so there ought to be a sense of loyalty here now. And so, so she named this child Levi or joined. And, and, and I want to tell you that when you look at the tribe of Levi, you're going to see them over and over joining themselves to the right things. Let's look at it here tonight. And, and again, I'm, I'm showing you all of this, not just to teach you about Levi, but because in, in a sense, every one of you are Levites. Because God's called you to service. And we need to learn to live like the Levites lived. We need to learn to have the mindset and the attitude that the Levites had. 
Oh, I wish I could get some more of you to say amen tonight. I, I feel like I'm trying to pull teeth here. I need some help tonight. I need some help tonight. Hallelujah. First of all, first of all, um, Exodus 32, verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And who was it? Who was it that in a moment of crisis, in a moment when Moses' leadership was being called into question, who was it? that Moses could count on that was going to stand by the man of God. It was the Levites. They said, we're on the Lord's side and we're on the side of the man of God. You can count on us, Moses. If every other tribe turns their back on you, Moses, we're going to stand with you. We're going to be there for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you that, that every, every Levite ought to make up their mind that you are going to be committed to the leadership of the church. If you're going to be a leader, look, the, I've said this before, but I've, I've actually known of people who, who would gladly amen any message on unity, but it was because their definition of unity was Everybody ought to see things my way. And then we'll be unified. But you get a half a dozen or more or even two in a crowd who have that opinion. And you don't have unity anymore. So somebody's got to cast the vision. Somebody's got to set the standard. Somebody's got to make the decision. And, and it falls the responsibility of the Levites not to come up with their own plan and their own goals, but to find out what is the vision of the leadership God has given us. And then let's put our shoulder to the plow and let's help accomplish that vision. Let's work together. Let's stand with the man God has given us. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at something else. Uh, Numbers chapter 3, verse 23. Amen. First of all, first of all, let's everybody say loyalty to the man of God. That, that's, that was number one. Number two, let's look at this. Numbers chapter 3 and verse 23. And the families of the Gershonites shall pitch behind the tabernacle westward. All right, verse 29. And the families of Kohath, of the sons of Kohath, shall pitch on the side of the tabernacle southward. And verse 35. And the chief of the house of the father of the family of Merari was Suriel, the son of Abiel. These shall pitch on the side of the tabernacle northward. Now, now here's what I want you to see. The Levites lived closer to the tabernacle than any other tribe. During the 40 years that the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, you know, they'd have to pick up their tents and they'd have to travel. Every time the cloud moved, they had to move. But when they quit moving, they couldn't just set their tents anywhere they wanted them. But every...
every tribe had a specific position within the camp of Israel. All of them had to congregate by tribe. And when it came to the tribe of Levi, God was very specific. Your place is surrounding the tabernacle. You don't have one corner of the camp. You don't have the far uh, southernmost boundary of the camp. But God said, you're the ones that's serving. You need to be closer to the house of God than anybody. Well, praise God. I want you to be right here. I want your tents to be pitched right next door to the tabernacle. When you get up in the morning and you go out, I want you to remember that place is the focus of my life. That is why I exist. That is what I'm living for. Everybody else has got their goats and their sheep and their camels. Every other tribe in Israel can have gardens. They can have farmlands. But the Levites, you've got one job, and that is to take care of the things of God. And so I don't want you to ever forget how important the house of God is to you. And, and I'm saying to you that as Levites, there has got to be a loyalty to the house of God. Everyone say loyalty to the house of God. Loyalty to the house of God. Amen. You need to demonstrate a special love for God's house. I know, I know job situations sometimes require that people have to miss or have to be late. I know that sicknesses arise and family emergencies. But I'm just saying that if you really want to be a part of God's service, you need to be doing everything you can to be as punctual and as faithful to the house of God as you possibly can. This ought to be the focus of your life. Hallelujah. Amen. When it's prayer time, you're going to be here for prayer. Now, again, I know job situations. I understand family situations. I understand. But I'm saying you give it the best you've got. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't think anybody's working on Sunday morning. Maybe some of you are. I don't think you are. There's really no reason why we can't all be on time for Sunday morning service. And you do know on time for the saints is 30 minutes before announced service time. All right, I'm losing a lot of Levites. A lot of you are looking for another job right now. Hallelujah. Loyalty to the house of God. This is so important. Amen. I'm telling you, others are watching you. Others are looking at you. And you need to set an example. You need to let everybody know, I love going to God's house. I was glad when they said to me. Not I dreaded it. 
Not, oh boy, it's church time again. I was glad. I was glad. I was glad. I was glad. I wonder what God's going to do tonight. I wonder how God's going to touch us tonight. I wonder if God's going to save somebody tonight. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. A Levite, a Levite ought to demonstrate a special love for the house of God. Amen. A loyalty to the house of God. Numbers chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may minister unto him. And they shall keep his charge and the charge of the whole congregation. They, shall keep, they shall keep his charge that is Aaron the priest, and the charge of the whole congregation. Read. Before the tabernacle of the congregation to do service of the tabernacle. Here's what God said. The Levites need to understand. They're not just serving me. And they're not just serving the priest. They're serving one another. Hallelujah. We have an obligation to help one another. We have an obligation to encourage one another. Listen to me, saints. I've said it over and over and over, but it is way too easy for us to become critical when someone starts missing and for us to find fault. Why don't we just start praying for them? Why don't we try to encourage them? Rather than judging them, why don't we offer a helping hand. We've got an obligation before God. If we're really going to serve God, we need to be serving God's people. I, I was told one time about a man. He made a statement. He said, you know, he said, I really love God. He said, I just hate that I had to meet some of his people. Oh, I'd hate to feel that way. I'd hate to feel that way. Amen. I love the people of God. Are they perfect? No, but neither am I. Do they have flaws? Yes, and so do I. Do they make mistakes? Yes, and so will I. Hello? I'm telling you, I need my brothers and sisters. I've got to have the help of the people of God. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to wait until I'm in a bind and then expect everybody to come to my rescue. I want everybody to know I'm here to help you. I want everybody to know I'm going to stand with you. I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray with you. Oh, praise God. We got to have a loyalty to the people of God. And we'll say a loyalty to the people of God. These are the characteristics that God is looking for in leadership. Amen. You're willing to be a servant. You don't just move, minister in the limelight. But you're a diligent worker behind the scenes. If nobody ever gets up, and publicly says, thank you for what you did. It doesn't matter. You didn't do it for public recognition. 
You did it because it needed to be done. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you, and I believe in giving honor where honors do. But my old pastor used to teach us, you're only going to get your reward one time. And so if you get it down here, then you're not going to get it over there. So don't live your life wanting your rewards down here. You just lay up your treasures on the other side and say, God will take care of it. He knows. God's seen my faithfulness. God knows what I've done. Well, hallelujah. I'm not doing it for the applause of, of others. But I do want to help others. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And uh, let me just say this. You, you, need to, you need to have a willingness to serve outside of your area of quote-unquote specialization. You'd be surprised sometimes what things God can do with you if you'll just step out of your comfort zone. Well, I know I'm good at this, so if I can't do that, I've got nothing else I can do. You might be surprised at what you could do. If you're given the opportunity. I, you know, we get back to these tone deaf people. I've, I have met tone deaf people who really wanted to lead the singing. And I guess you could let them. But it's probably going to create more distraction than it is going to encourage people to worship. Hello? Praise God. But then you've got some that are wonderful singers who also create a distraction because they're doing more to bring glory to themselves than they are to bring glory to God. Are you hearing me tonight? So sometimes what we feel comfortable with, what we desire to do, may not be what God's looking for us to do. Hallelujah. There may be some other area that's not getting as much glory, but it needs to be done. And you can do it. Be willing to serve wherever you're needed. Number four. Uh, let's, let's go to Numbers chapter eight now. If you've got your Bibles open, turn over to chapter eight. Numbers chapter eight, verses 23 through 26. Numbers eight, verses 23 through 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is that which belongeth unto the Levites. From twenty and five years upward and upward they shall go in and wait upon the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And from the age of fifty years they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof, and shall serve no more, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge, and shall do no service. Thus shalt thou do unto the Levites Thus shalt thou do unto the Levites touching their charge. Another version says this the Lord also told Moses, Levites who are between the ages of twenty five and fifty can work at my sacred tent. But once they turn 50, they must retire. 
They may help the other Levites in their duties, but they must no longer be responsible for any work themselves. Remember this when you assign their duties. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this passage and think that God is saying that once you turn 50, you can't do anything anymore. This was specific for the work of the tabernacle. God was meticulous in the way things had to be done. And, uh, you know, at this point in history, a good life was three score and ten, 70 years. And uh, so God uh, knew the eyes were dimming, the hearing was, was, was getting weaker, and, and, and God understood there's too many details for anything to be overlooked. But the point I want to make is this, that those who were in service had to be willing to learn from those who had served. A Levite had to not only have a loyalty to the man of God, a loyalty to the house of God, a loyalty to the people of God, he also had to have a loyalty to learning. He couldn't walk into that position and say, I know it all. Even though as a Levite, he's been trained. His, his father was a Levite. He's, he's coming from the same branch of the family. If his father was a Mararite, then he's watched his father take care of the structure. Are you following me? He's watched this all of his life. But he can't walk into that job saying, I know it all. Hallelujah. He's got to have a loyalty to learning. He's got to be willing for someone else to teach him. For someone else to impart some knowledge to him. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, saints, look, I've been preaching now for 45 years. That's a long time. I mean, I'm only five years. This really makes me sound old. I'm only five years away from having preached half a century. But I'm going to tell you that even now, even now, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still gleaning. I still love to go to conferences and meetings where I can hear other men of God who have experience begin to tell me things and share things with me. I'm still learning. And everybody who's going to be effective in leading others has to have that same attitude. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be taught. None of us have all the answers. None of us know it all. Praise God. Amen. We've got to have a loyalty to learning. Number five. Number five. This comes from Numbers chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. And the Lord Numbers 8, verses 5 through 7. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites from the children of Israel and cleanse them. And thus shalt thou do unto them to cleanse them. Sprinkle with water of purifying upon them, and let them shave all their flesh, and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. Before they could begin their public ministry, the Levites had to go through a specific cleansing ceremony. 
They couldn't just say, I'm a Levite. That's good enough. My daddy was a Levite. My granddaddy was a Levite. My great-granddaddy was a Levite. I'm qualified. God said heritage is important. But you got to be clean. And you've got to have your own individual cleansing. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. There's got to be a loyalty to lifestyle. Everyone say a loyalty to lifestyle. As Levites, God expects something special out of you. God's looking for something more out of you. You know, we, we live in a society where everybody wants rights, 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 rights. Give me my rights. And nobody seems to want responsibilities. But as servants, as Levites, we've got to have a mindset that God, show me my responsibilities and help me to fulfill them. Whatever cleansing process you want me to go through, the Bible mentions sprinkling. That's one of the things that, that they had to go through as a part of the cleansing. Colossians 1 and 20 says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I, I, what I'm saying to you tonight, this is a part of the cleansing. We got to keep going back to the altar. We've got to make a fresh appeal for the blood of Jesus to cover us. Every one of us. We need to live a repentant lifestyle. We shouldn't think repentance is a one-time thing in our life. But every day we need a time of repentance. Every day we need God to come back and let his blood cover us. He said they need sprinkling. You got to sprinkle purifying upon them. And he said, shave all their flesh. John Wesley said that this external right signified the cutting off of their inordinate desire of earthly things. And that singular purity of heart and life, which is required in the servants of God. In other words, just get rid of everything that you don't have to have. God said, I want you to serve me in absolute purity. Praise God. It's the only way we can be effective in serving a pure God. Romans chapter 8 verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We've got to learn to crucify our flesh. In, in that passage, God said, before they can serve me, they need, they need the, the, the purifying to come upon them. They need to shave their flesh. They need to wash their clothes. This is washing the garments is, is reflecting the holiness of God. Saints of God, I want to tell you, God does care about the way we look on the outside. People have twisted the scripture that comes from, first, from, from, uh, from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. They've twisted that scripture altogether and made it mean something it doesn't mean. Let's look at it, 1 Samuel 16 and 7. Listen to what he said. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his now, countenance. Now, 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 hang on a minute. What is Samuel doing at this moment? He's trying to find a king. He's looking for a replacement for Saul. Now, up to this moment, Israel's had only one king. And that one king, the Bible said, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. So he had a very unique physique. He was taller than the rest. And so now the prophet's looking for someone to replace him. And so he looks at David's brothers and he's trying to examine because look at what he said. The Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't Try to decide if he's got a strong jawline or the hook of his nose is just right. Don't look at his countenance or what? Or the height of his stature. Don't look at how tall he is. Because I have refused. Because I've refused him. For the Lord seeketh. Because God doesn't see the same way man sees. For man looketh on Because the man is looking on the outward appearance. He's not talking about standards of holiness. He's talking about the choice of a king. And he said, he said, Samuel, you're going about this wrong. I'm not looking for somebody who looks like Saul. I'm looking for somebody altogether different. The Lord is looking where? On the heart. And what was it that God repeatedly said about David? That he had found a man after his own heart. His heart. That's what God was looking for. God was trying to find somebody that had a pure heart because Saul didn't. Saul had the countenance. Saul had the height. Saul had the stature. He had the build. But his heart was corrupt. And so God found a ruddy young lad. And said he may not look like much. But there's something on the inside. That I'm looking for. Don't try to take this scripture. And make it apply. To the way we live. 
That's not what he's talking about. God does care. We'll deal with that more in, in later lessons, but let me just throw this out for you to think about. When God showed up in the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve were clothed with fig leaves, why did God care? Why did God make them some other garment? Somebody said, well, because there had to be shedding of blood. The Bible didn't say that. I understand the principle, but the scripture doesn't say that God even killed an animal to put those skins on them. God could have created the skins. This is all I'm now. Now, now, now look, who is in the garden at this time? Adam and Eve. Anybody else? Well, the serpent was there, but there's somebody else. God was there. God didn't make Adam and Eve put on these garments for the sake of their spouse. God himself cared about the way they were clothed. And God said, the way you've done it is not sufficient. We'll deal with that more. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm going to teach a lesson on that. But I'm telling you, God does care. Throughout the scripture, God has shown repeatedly he cares. It really does matter to God. And we'll prove that. Amen. Amen. Even here, these priests could not just walk in and start serving. God said, first of all, let's make sure the clothes are right. Oh, but God's not looking on the outward man. Well, evidently he is. Hallelujah. If we want to be used of God, we've got to go through the process of sanctifying ourselves for his service. Well, praise God. We need to sanctify ourselves for his service. Listen, church. We, we need a fresh understanding. I want to be used of God. I want to please God. I want God's favor in my life. But it's not going to come freely. I, I'm, I'm going to close tonight. I'm going to close tonight. Uh, let's just skip down to the last scripture. 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. Uh, David sees that there's a plague upon the people. Uh, it's the judgment of God. He sees the angel standing at the threshing floor. And David said, I've got to go offer a sacrifice to, to, to God. I've got to try to appease God's anger right now. And so he goes to the owner of that threshing floor. And he said, I need to buy this from you. And Arana said, I'll just give it to you, my king. You can have it. Most of us would say, well, hallelujah. Thank God for a free gift. But that's not the way David saw it. Because of what it was going to be used for. Second Samuel 24 and 24 read. And the king said to Arana, Nay. Nay. But I will surely, but I will buy, it surely buy it 
of thee at a price at a price neither will I neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, unto my, the God. Lord my God of that which, of doth, that cost me which doth cost me nothing so David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver David said there is no way that I'm going to try to offer God something that I got for free I'm going to pay for it if I'm going to please God with it. Saints of God, I'm telling you, service requires sacrifice. Did you hear me? Service requires sacrifice. This is why some people don't want to serve. They don't want to pay the price. But I'm telling you, if you really want to be used of God, if you really want God to do something of value with your life, you're going to have to be willing to pay a price for it. You're going to have to be willing to give up some things you may not want to give up. You may have to lay some things down that you really don't want to lay down. You may have to adopt some practices that really you don't want to adopt. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to be used of the king, he's going to expect you to pay a price. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Can we lift our hands and talk to the Lord, everybody? Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. I want to be used of God. I want to be used of you, Jesus. I want you to do something with my life, something of value, something that's lasting.